Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Was Speaker Pelosi's trip to Taiwan that controversial, or was China just looking for a reason? Well, I think we gave China a little bit of an opening here, because first of all, the White House, or someone in the administration, we don't know for sure if it's the White House, leaked the fact that she was traveling to Taiwan. Normally those visits are kind of done in secret, like a president going to Afghanistan or Iraq, and then you don't know about it till they land. So that was leaked. And then the Chinese, seeing a possibility of a huge propaganda victory here, spun this thing up rather dramatically. I mean, they knew about it back in April, and didn't do much about it. I think some of this has to do with the National Party Congress, which is uh, due in a several weeks to enshrine President Xi for his third term and likely an indefinite term. So they seized upon this, and certainly the rhetoric was literally off the charts. I mean, threatening war and, and, and everything yeah. else. And yeah. I actually think that there was a possibility that Pelosi would stand down. It didn't stand down, and now we have a very calculated overreaction on China's part uh, to further isolate Taiwan, obviously in intimidate them, but also to play to the audience uh, at home to yeah. demonstrate while Pelosi didn't stand down, we're taking some action here. So that's the biggest story happened while we were on vacation. We are back live today on this August 8th, and the United States is not at war with China yet. That was a pretty damn good description by the general, General Jack Keene there. Yeah, the only problem I have with it is um, is kind of acting like them spinning up a non-event not being as much a threat as anything else. You can go to war over a spun-up event. People do it all the time. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure that was his point to downplay it. I just the the at least double, if not triple or quadruple reverse of the thing is what really interests me. So normally, if if anybody wants to go to Taiwan, any American, I say go. 
And if China squawks, screw them. Who cares? They're communist dictator, slave camp running scum. I don't care what they think. Nancy Pelosi said it herself. We can't allow China to dictate where the Speaker of the House goes and doesn't go. I agree 100%. Right, right. Here's your reverse. International politics or, uh, you know, uh, well, international politics are an expression of a country's domestic politics. And if Chairman Xi is desperate for some way to say, we're under threat, we're under threat, you got to stick with me. Look at the U.S., look how belligerent they are. you got to stick with me. you got to make me dictator for life. I totally get the Biden administration or others thinking, don't give him fuel. Don't hand him a... Let's, let's act like little lambs for the next couple of months. Nothing but friendly noises to undermine that narrative. So, you know, that's a defensible position. But here's the triple reverse. Old Chairman Xi is not going to just say, well, they didn't do anything belligerent, so I guess I got to, I don't know, I can't appeal to an outside threat. No, he did manufacture something anyway. So ultimately, I think Nancy Gowen was harmless. He was going to find one pretext or another to get all belligerent. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. The whole uh, international... Policy is a reflection of domestic policy. Sometimes it's just a reflection of one dude's wants. You know, mostly it's Putin himself who wants to go down as Peter the Great. I don't think the people were calling out for a war with Ukraine. Anyway, um, who knows what Xi thinks in terms of wanting to be the next Mao or reestablish China as the dominant power on the, on the planet, how important that is to him personally. I don't know. But, man, the rhetoric coming out of China over this trip, I mean, that was like, it really, it really was like the way they talk in the Middle East. Other countries don't usually talk like they do in the Middle East, where they're constantly threatening the mother of all wars and right. blood running in the streets. You don't usually get that out of nuclear powers. But that's the way China was talking the last week or so. You mess with a tiger and you will get bitten and various crap, you know, whatever. Um <laughs> But the reality in the ground, though, firing missiles over Taipei and and their so-called military, their live fire military exercises that have an effect closed off the Taiwan Strait and all the international traffic through there while the exercises are going on. And they have extended the exercises. So at what point does it go from being a military exercise to just you've closed off a major shipping lane? I don't know how many days that goes on. Right, right. Well, and it's been described accurately as a dress rehearsal for surrounding and cutting off Taiwan. Right. And uh, and it didn't get reported enough that Nancy went and landed, and there was talk of, will they try to shoot her plane out of the sky and blah, 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 and they're not going to do that. But we uh, flexed our muscles, too. We sent the USS Reagan and a couple of other ships down there. We sent our craziest aircraft carrier right next to Taiwan with a couple of other ships loaded with F-35s, the most advanced fighter jets in the world, mm-hmm. ready to, you know, you want to go to war? We're ready. We're right here. We're right. You know, you just say the word. I mean, that was a very strong response from the U.S. Navy, you know, I'm sure ordered by uh, President Biden. To, uh, to let them know, okay, we're ready to go. We ain't messing around either. You ain't messing around, we ain't messing around. Right. I, it's not good to have China and the United States getting that chest-to-chest in the bar. But yeah, that's no where kidding. we are. Yeah, we sent the entire uh, carrier battle group. How many ships is that? Can somebody look that up? I don't know. Um, 
but one of the more interesting aspects of reading Michael Pillsbury's book, The Hundred Year Marathon about China, and actually some stuff I've read recently about Russia, that whole the golden billion, I think, doctrine, which says that there are a billion people on Earth who, who control everything and they're trying to screw Russia and, and we need, we gotta fight them and, and get what's ours, is both those countries have a cultural feeling that's not far off like American exceptionalism. The China believes China should st- sit astride the globe as the great power. I mean, they, they believe it culturally. And, and Russia, in a weird kind of inferiority complex way, feels something similar. But, yeah, to your question of is it just Chairman Xi who thinks this stuff or China, you know, in general, I think culturally speaking, the Chinese people really want to be another peg or two up. Right. And so the culture of both countries has changed quite a bit over just recent years. I remember Henry Kissinger, geez, a decade or so ago, talking about the Thuclidean trap. So I have trouble saying this name. Thu. The Thu man. Thucydicles. There he goes. All right. Wow. Well done. Get the, I think I get it the, is. Do they get the, get the initials in the right way? Anyway, he was a uh, he was a general in the war, the Peloponnesian War, and he wrote the history of the Peloponnesian War. And he came up with his theory of, and it is proven to be true over the centuries, that a rising power and the established power always go to war. And that has always happened every time except, or I think, once over the last several thousand years. And we are the established power, and they are the rising power. And what happens is, what happened with Athens and Sparta, 400 B.C., is you've got the established Athens, Sparta's on the rise, and Athens gets worried about him. So fear sets in. And it's just, it's just human nature. You're just fearful, and you start creating in your own mind threats and worries that may or may not exist, and it just grows. And I remember Henry Kissinger saying, when he was talking about the Euclidean trap uh, a decade or so ago, the important thing is that our country's populations don't come to see each other as the enemy. And at that time, the vast majority of the United States did not see China as the enemy. And I don't know about China versus the U.S., but I'm guessing Mm. probably similar. That, as you know, has changed completely. And for good reason. But it has changed completely. If you look at the polls, we've gone from something like 20% of the U.S. uh, population a decade ago seeing China as an enemy to something like 80% of the U.S. population seeing China as an enemy. And I think it's similar in China. So the two countries' populations have come to see each other as an enemy. Yeah, the interesting part of that, though, and and what Kissinger, I think, was missing, maybe because he was one of the architects of the whole opening China era in the early 70s, is that the Chinese leadership always viewed the U.S. as the enemy. Absolutely. 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 In a way that our leadership did, did not. I mean, certainly you've got to keep an eye on China, and they're a superpower, but I think we're going to be buddies. I think if we open trade, we'll be good, good friends. That was the doctrine for decades in this country, and it was naive and dopey. Yeah, I think it's just getting to the what you were talking about, the international relations being a reflection of the domestic politics. Once the de- domestic politics gets ginned up to where both populations see that other country as an enemy, well, then you're... Then you're and then it's on. It's just a matter of time, which it may be just a matter of time. Maybe it is the Thuclidean trap, and it's just a matter of time before the the, the up-and-coming power of China and the United States have to clash in some fashion. The question, I think, is always going to be how they view war versus the way we view war. We have a very low tolerance 
as we see in Afghanistan, for losing soldiers and, 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 and you know, blood and treasure. Not to downplay this at all, because obviously I wouldn't, having a brother who served in Iraq a couple of times, but a couple thousand military deaths in Afghanistan? China would absorb that? Wouldn't even bat an eye. Right. Mm-hmm. If they if they if they could sink one of our ships and lose fifteen thousand guys that afternoon, wouldn't bat an eye. I don't know how we would react to that. Right, right. Boy, speaking of the rising power versus the big comfortable power, it's you know it's it's sickening from the perspective of a modern American. But rising powers have through the years been willing to throw uh, men into battle yeah. like crazy. Right. Uh, I had one more point I want to make. Oh, could it be that the trillions of dollars of, of trade between the two countries is what's going to uh, tap the brakes over and over again and prevent, you know, horrific uh, war? It's funny. My traveling companion yesterday said the very same thing. We're too interconnected uh, uh, commercially to go to war. But that is ex- that's exactly what the world thought before World War One. There will never be another war between the great powers again because we're so interconnected uh, business-wise, so I hope you're right. Uh, well, maybe I'll get to this later so we don't beat you up for too long over U.S. versus China war, the coming war. Well, that's actually the title of this piece in the Wall Street Journal yesterday, The Coming War Over Taiwan, written by a couple of your big think tank people from a- a- AEI. With its global power at a peak and domestic problems mounting, China is likelier than ever going to make good on its threats. And maybe we'll read from that a little bit later in the show. But this is some serious, serious stuff. Like, first page of your history book, possibly stuff for the history of the planet that I hope doesn't happen. Final note, uh, because we didn't get all that specific, but the, uh, the Chinese sent almost 200 military aircraft and at least 40 warships warships to menace and surround taiwan right yeah their war games could turn into an extra actual invasion if that was their plan like that and how well, would we remember react? that's what putin said for months that's uh, it's a military yes yeah, your war abs- games very good point that's exactly what putin did and she everybody claims is watching the whole ukraine thing and learning lessons from it and the other wild card in this is what does she think of his timing when you got an Addled old president, how quickly and forcefully would Biden be able to react to this? Who Flat knows? Bad at health care. Jeez, oh, Michael. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> True, but international to do pressure. <laughs> anyway, you can join us anytime on the text line 415 295 KFTC. Much more on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. After the jury awarded the parents of two Sandy Hook victims $4 million this week rather than the $150 million they were asking for, Alex Jones called it a victory for truth. But then the jury went back to work deciding on punitive damages meant to punish somebody for egregious behavior and came back with $45 million more. Jones being ordered to pay around $50 million in total. His team says it will appeal. In court, Jones admitted, despite his years of claims, that he now believes the Sandy Hook shooting was 100% real. 
He always believed it was real. So uh, you're going to have to, as somebody who almost went to law school, explain oh to me what's happening here. Because Alex Jones does his radio show, podcast show, whatever it is, uh, spoken word show, and claiming the worst school shooting in the history of the world was a, was phony. And the parents get to sue why in a world with free speech? And so one of the, the, the six-year-old boys who died, just horrible, horrible, horrible. Anyway, the parents got $4.1 million. Somebody thought, oh, that's a lot of money, but not as much as I thought. Then the next day, they come back with $45.2 million for a kid, as you heard there, for a total of about $50 million. Yeah, I don't I don't have the division in front of me. I mean, there's like material damages and then punitive damages. You can punish somebody by making them pay extra. But just for a simple clarification cuz I don't completely understand this. How come I can't I I thought I could go on the air and say John F Kennedy wasn't assassinated. He's alive and in Belgium with Hitler. Sure. Can, can I say that? And can somebody sue me or No, absolutely not. Jones and, and it's not just him in, like, a podcast. He has an empire. He has other people who have shows and video casts and the rest of it. He was claiming repeatedly and at length, though he has now changed his tune, that the shooting in Sandy Hook, which was 10 years ago, was staged with actors to increase gun control, to take away your rights, and that these people who claim to be grieving parents are actually crisis actors. They're fakes. They're frauds. They're part of the plot to take away your rights. So these poor parents who had their children slaughtered in cold blood are now being besieged by lunatics who not only go after them online, call them, they show up at their house, they show up at their place of work a lot and screech, your child didn't die, you're a liar, you're a crisis actor. This Alex Jones, who I believe is a monster, an amoral monster, set his army of lunatics against these people and made their lives miserable they were already miserable their children had been murdered and then he because the lunatic fringe loves this sort of thing he set the mob loose on him that's what he's in trouble for did he specifically tell him to do that or is it just his rhetoric made crazy people do crazy things i mean i guess it gets to the whole is Trump responsible for the mob going inside the Capitol thing? I guess it's the same sort of question. Well, he named names. He attacked individuals, um, as this one law mm-hmm. professor I was reading said. That's that's important. A lot of disinformation does not attack individuals, mm. like your JFK with Hitler in Belgium scenario, gotcha. as entertaining as it was. No, it is. It is clearly it's distasteful as anything I can possibly imagine on Earth. It just was... Not clear to me where the uh, the law was on that. Yeah, and the fact that he no- knew it was false and defamatory, but went ahead and said it. Wow, what a thing to do! And to continue it when you get, when you're getting the reaction from the crazies to continue right. it all those years. Wow, that is something. If you miss an hour of the show, get the podcast Armstrong and Getty on demand. Armstrong and Getty. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. 
comedian, writer and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my this idea of, what do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. This week, WNBA star Brittany Griner joining the list of U.S. citizens detained in Russia after she was sentenced to nine years in a prison camp by a Moscow court, found guilty of drug possession and smuggling. Griner's lawyers saying she'll appeal, but that could take months. The Kremlin using her case to play hardball in negotiations about potential prisoner swaps. That's a long time in a Russian prison, nine years. Obviously, uh, Putin's just hoping to uh, trade for somebody. So we're going to give them back some terrible, murderous terrorist who's killed a whole bunch of Americans in exchange for a WNBA player who had weed. Yeah, it's a guy's uh, a, a, an arms dealer, a notorious arms dealer, the merchant of death. Yeah, um, 
Interesting and, and a good lead into what I was going to talk about, which is bi-coastal lawlessness. But we got this email from old friend of the Armstrong and Getty show, Kemper, who says, guys, this is not a rhetorical question. Should the U.S. Uh, government or the people uh, care that uh, Griner breaks the law and is arrested, convicted and sentenced if some other narcissistic American drives drunk in an Islamic country, runs over a camel and three children? Should we empty Gitmo in exchange for his release? Um, uh, then he mentions a, another case, but, uh, he, he gets to a 250 year old quote that I, I, I either had never heard or I'd forgotten about. George Seville, the Marquis of Halifax, who could forget him, said, men are not hanged for stealing horses, but that horses may not be stolen. Now that's a bit of a rhetorical flourish. His point is, we don't, hang people because they stole a horse exactly you need we to die hang them we hang yeah not because they need to die we hang them so nobody wants to steal a horse which is a really interesting way to look at it and that applies here well he said letting griner serve a term might prevent a hundred thousand other american ingrates from flushing korans hiking across enemy nations or stealing banners in north korea we shouldn't arrange the release of illegal arms merchants because griner was careless hmm interesting yeah it is an interesting case uh, my counter argument would be she made a very very small mistake which was spun into a giant mistake uh, by the murderous putin for the purposes of getting his buddy, the arms dealer, released. Well, so, I mean, how small a mistake do we let go? Or, you know, I mean, if, if Jack goes to Paris, Paris is a bad example. Uh, Jack goes to Beijing, fascinating country, China. He jaywalks. And Chairman Xi realizes he's an incredibly famous and popular co-host <laughs> of a radio show slash podcast and sentences him to 50 years. China. I mean, you can't say, well, you know what? You got to let him rot in that Chinese jail. That'll keep other Americans from jaywalking. I just I don't buy it. How about the we don't negotiate on this? That's uh, didn't we learn right before we went on vacation from one of our correspondents like Great Britain doesn't do that. Sorry, we're right. not we're not trading anybody. With the idea being that if we'll bend over backwards to get people out, it encourages countries to snatch up Americans because you're going to get something for it. Now, um, uh, former New Mexico Governor Richardson, who is our hostage negotiator guy, was on one of the shows yesterday, said there's no statistics that back that up, by the way. He said there's no evidence that that has happened ever that more countries are snatching Americans because we're more willing to give up. I don't know if that's true or not. You know, I don't I I can't disagree with him on the other hand. How exactly would you compile those statistics? I don't know. Number of Americans taken into custody by malign it's, regimes per year. I don't Doesn't it just know. make obvious sense that if you know you can get a whole bunch from any like especially famous American, it'd be worth snatching them? Yes. As China or Russia or whoever, North Korea? Intuitively, it does. It does. Anyway, that was all kind of, excuse me, a quick update. It's a good thing we have what we call a cough button in the radio studio. As I, Joe, feel great, having gotten over the COVID a week ago. Um, but apparently, I'm going to sound sniffly and have this nagging cough for the rest of my life. So uh, it beats uh, the, the COVID fog, or what do you call it? With the Your, your brain don't work right? Because my brain seems to be fine. I mean, by my standards. Uh, but yeah, the, 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 the blowing my nose and sniffling and coughing thing, just constant. 
Anyway, uh, so the reason I really like this quote about men are not hanged for stealing horses, but that horses may not be stolen, meaning the point is you, you want to stop that behavior. You don't want that behavior. Brings me to a couple of stories. One from Manhattan. Here's uh, this gal runs a uh, well-thought-of uh, restaurant in Greenwich Village. Um, and they have these, like, uh, you remember back when COVID started and, and outdoor dining was a big thing, and they would, like, close off the parking lane and the little tents would go up, and it saved a lot of restaurants. Um, anyway, they have a lot of this in New York, and they have these little um, sheds now for outdoor dining with a roof over them. And... So this gal, her specific problem is keep, people keep having sex in the shed or shooting up in there or whatever. And she's she calls the cops and the cops. Uh, well, she says it's uh, the shed has been a lifeline, uh, but she's had to call the cops multiple times to report people in the shed, quote, who are probably high, taking up the space, leaving human S everywhere. And the NYPD won't do anything. The cops ask her, are the vagrants currently a danger to you? And she says, no, not really. She says, well, our hands are tied. There's really uh, nothing f- we can do. So people are pooping in there, shooting up in there, having <sighs> sex in matter. there. That's right, Johnny. And the cops won't even show up. Now, it's kind of, you think, well, all right, they're having sex. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're a private property owner. You call the cops and say, Somebody has just had sex and taken a poo in my private property, and they're still there. And the cops say, so what? That's lawlessness. So when you first, you led with having sex in there, and I was picturing kind of a, it's like, you know, people having sex on the 50-yard line of the high school football field. It's kind of just a naughty, fun thing to do. You're, you're meaning the more disgusting kind of sex, most likely. If it's including shooting up and pooping, it's, you know, it's not that sexy. Yeah, it's not like a glamorous high-dollar porn production, no. No, it's <laughs> disgusting. Uh, this uh, gal who works at the restaurants, he had, restaurants aren't the reason people are essing on the streets. They s right there in front of that house, pointing to a pile of human feces that had been covered by a napkin. Just unbelievable. And the cops say, we can't help you. Let's cross uh, the fruited plain to San Francisco. A Tenderloin jazz bar owner blasted the cops and uh, city officials for failing to protect his business following an overnight break-in, leaving the property unsecured while thieves cycled through for several more hours. Police and fire crews who responded to the initial burglary early Tuesday taped a plastic shade to the frame of the shattered glass door left after 20 minutes. They didn't and wouldn't return for the rest of the night. People were going in and out, breaking things, stealing everything they could grab, and ignoring the calls for help. It's just, it's lawlessness. We've permitted lawlessness. And so what have we got? More lawlessness. So horses are being stolen all over the place, and now... Peaceful, law-abiding people, are, are it's chaos. Mm. It's crazy. The backlash has 100% begun on this stuff. 100%. I just read an interesting thing that the politics of Silicon Valley, kind of below the surface, are swinging way right of where they've been. But, man, how many more people have to be v- victimized before the, you know, the, the pendulum swings back? I saw this headline. The New York Post has been doing a great job of looking into repeat offenders to make the very point you're oh, making. Oh, yeah. I saw yeah. this one. Meet the shoplifter with 101 arrests, and he's been let go almost every time. A guy, he's their number one recidivist 
in uh, for the NYPD. Ex-con who hasn't spent very much time behind bars, 101 arrests, and all, almost always just immediately let go again. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. That is incredible. That is <laughs> That means all you're doing is like minorly inconveniencing me with paperwork. You know, getting back to the San Francisco Jazz Club story, because there's some more detail to it, and I, I'm sorry I, I highlighted this poorly, but here's the thing. So there's the initial break in, the cops show up, firefighters show up, they they and, and word gets around that it's easy enough to get in this building. And so for the next six hours, carloads of thieves took turns pulling up to the space, walking out of the club's front door with arms full of musical instruments, cash register drawers, and liquor bottles. And and this restaurant owner's like, okay, what am I going to do? Stand here with a gun and shoot people or fight them all or what? Hello, help, cops, please come back. And and they just wouldn't. I don't I don't know what to tell you. Vote. Vote with your votes and vote with your feet. So I was running around L.A. quite a bit over the weekend doing a variety of things over the last week of vacation. By the way, gained five pounds in one week on vacation. Well done. I can so, respect uh, that. So if I, if, I, if I kept that up for a year, I'd gain, what, 260 pounds, which would put me at damn near 500 pounds. <laughs> so, I, you know, I guess it's a good mm-hmm. thing I can't go on vacation for a whole year. I'd be a 500-pounder. Um. Anyway, I'd run around L.A., and uh, as everybody in the country knows, there's a lot of areas of L.A. where the homeless situation is just crazy. I mean, it's just well, like it's been claimed by some that Los Angeles is crumbling. Los Angeles is crumbling. You can't believe it's even true. Like, as we're running around trying to find a boy, we went to the La Brea Tar Pits, took my son there, which I had wanted to go to since I first heard about him when I was, like, in second grade, and I finally wow. got to go. All these wow. years later. And it was every bit as cool as I thought it would be in second grade. You know, the tar pits are still there right in the middle of Los Angeles. They're still there. I mean, if they weren't fenced off, you'd still have beasts coming down to get a drink of water and getting their feet stuck in the tar and dying right there, as thousands mm-hmm. and thousands of animals did. And that's why there's so many uh, mastodon bones and everything like that. Anyway, the number of homeless people you see on the streets and the camps and everything like that was shocking. I've got a question for those of you who might know because I want to know the answer. I'm going to dedicate some time to trying to figure this out this week with research and phone calls and talking to people. I was in the Pasadena area over the last couple of days. I'd never spent any time in Pasadena. Beautiful place, but it's just miles from the filth, and Pasadena is sparkling clean. I mean, walking down alleys where there's not so much as a paper cup let alone human beings and poo and urine i mean there's zero trash in the alleys when's the last time you walked through an alley at night in california first of all not fearing for your life but second of all where there weren't human beings everywhere and it smelled like urine and garbage it was spotless it was like it was a movie set and i thought what is going on here what are the policy what is the enforcement mechanism mm, right. in pasadena that is different from right over there from santa well, monica or venice or whatever you know my saying if you just smell urine you're in luck especially on the west coast <laughs> uh, one of our beloved listeners uh, sent us an email just as we were going on vacation last night it, it was an article about their part of north carolina it was like in that research triangle raleigh durham chapel hill area about skyrocketing housing prices and rents and that sort of thing which is really tough for young people around the country and i sympathize i have three uh, kids in their 20s um 
but uh, attached to this article was our beloved listener's comment was there are no bum camps. There are none, not one. There are zero junkie camps in spite of the very, very high housing oh, prices. Pasadena is insanely expensive. It's one of the most expensive right. places in America. The rent right. is too damn high. So listen, the, the super high rents and housing prices are an issue in particularly the blue areas of the country. I don't deny that. But to draw a direct line right. between high rents and giant camps full of people tweaking all day and pooing on the sidewalks is a lie. If you know why Pasadena has got zero bums and garbage, and right over there they got it's nothing but, let me know. I'd love to know. Text line is 415-295-KFTC, 415-295-KFTC. We were talking about China and all that sort of stuff and how Biden would react. He just made a statement on it. We can hit you with that, among other things, on the way. Armstrong and Getty. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, from this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know 
Oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Chris, I apologize to you. Uh, My behavior was unacceptable. And I'm here whenever you're ready to talk. That's Will Smith, who apparently while we were on vacation did a long video for the first time really apologizing to Chris Rock for smacking him at the the Oscars. And I don't know. Is it on anybody's mind? Not on mine, but Mm, it was a weird thing to do. Not real timely either. No, he'll he'll never be looked at the same by practically anybody. So what are you gonna Although do? Although he won a giant award that night and was cheered loudly by his peers in freaking Hollywood. Yeah. Cesspool. Good point. Elon Musk has challenged the Twitter CEO to a public debate, which is kind of entertaining. I don't know if that'll happen or not. I'm running through a variety of things here, by the way, that I've just come across. Oh, I have the uh, Joe Biden responding on uh, China versus the United States. Joe Biden asked today, because it's the first time Joe Biden's left the White House in quite a few weeks, because if you missed this while we were on vacation, he tested positive for COVID again last week. Coronavirus! Has happened sometime, but then he tested negative enough times that he could leave the White House, and he's somewhere today touting the build back inflation plan, or whatever that is called. (laughs) And uh, he was asked about China versus the United States and the tensions, and he said he's concerned but not worried about China's drills Near Taiwan. Well, I'm worried, but I'm not afraid. I'm afraid, but not terrified. I'm terrified, but not uh, apoplectic. I'm pensive, but not ruminating. (laughs) North Korea has offered Russia 100,000 volunteers to aid in the war against Ukraine, which Putin might say, "Eh, why don't you keep your starving, poorly equipped soldiers (laughs) there, and I'll, I'll do my best. Wow, what an odd gesture by little fathead. Did you hear this? It was so freaking hot everywhere I was over the last week or so. My, my, How hot was it? My son and I went dirt bike riding in, a, in, a, in Nevada, a couple of different places that were just flipping awesome. But God, it was hot. 103 degrees, riding oh. dirt bikes out there in the flat out desert. Oof. Up and down I assume you were somewhat geared up? or uh... I had a helmet on, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um... Thank God I don't live in a lot of European countries. Spain announced new energy restrictions for public and commercial buildings, including a ban of air conditioning set below 80. It's against the law law to set your air conditioning below 80. Restrictions took effect last week. Greece and Italy announced similar measures last month. I didn't know that. You can't mm. set the air, the AC below 80. 80 is way too hot for me. I will take a third job and sell bone marrow before I will ever set my air conditioning bill above 80 degrees. Yes, Maybe Michael. You ought to I'm with you, Jack, co- on this one. <laughs> Maybe drop a couple of pounds, pork shop, huh? <laughs> that is too damn warm. Boy, that's warm. You keep your house colder than I do, but that's uh, ooh, that's too hot. Especially for sleeping? Ooh. Oh, yeah. I was in a hotel, you know, a couple of, a couple of nights where I'm not paying the bill, and I kept it cold in there. Hmm. 
Nice. Stayed in a really nice hotel the other night, uh, doing something fancy. But when uh, my son and I were on it, uh, we we went kind of with the budget thing, and we're in little mountain towns near the dirt bike track and everything like that. I tweeted this out. I stayed in a hotel motel. Stayed in a motel. Which I'm a motel guy. It's funny. I stayed at this super fancy place in Pasadena over the weekend, and um, I have such imposter syndrome. I feel like <laughs> walking around a place that I'm paying for. I'm yeah. paying for this. I still feel like everybody can look at me and say, he doesn't belong here. He really <laughs> should not be oh, on these grounds. Did that man there, over there, did he wander in or what? <laughs> I do not have my imposter syndrome when I'm at the motel where Sam and I stayed after dirt biking all day long that it had up on the marquee color TV. That's one of the yes. things it said. It, was, it advertises yes. a place to stay. How long has it been since you saw a motel that tried to lure you into the rooms with color TV? As I tweeted out, we're going to be up late tonight watching all of our favorite shows in color. Wow. Wow. Good times. <laughs> all right. So here's the dividing line for me. Did it have, did the, were the walls painted cinder blocks or did they go ahead and spring for the sheetrock? <laughs> I don't recall. I don't recall. <laughs> Judy and I checked into a hotel. It was a couple of years ago. We were on a trip. We were just too tired to get all the way home. And uh, we check in and the walls were painted cinder blocks. And yeah. I thought, this is a different level. If all I need is to sleep, I just, I don't want bugs and I don't want to get right. robbed. Other than that, if all I'm doing is sleeping and then getting my car again in the morning, I don't care. How about hair in the bed? And, well, yeah, clean is clean as all. Oh, clean, you said clean. That's a good point. <laughs> I don't want bugs and hair. Well, and all task. you're looking for for your kids at school is a teacher in the classroom, right? And not a college kid or a trainee. There is a catastrophic teacher shortage. We'll tell you about it. If you missed the segment, grab the podcast Armstrong and Getty on Demand. Armstrong. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.